and welcome to the Woody Allen Pages podcast. To wrap season one, I'm going to answer some questions from you. Thanks for everyone who asked a question. And without further ado, here we go. How do I choose the films? Well, this was probably the most popular question. I think maybe some people were trying to find a logic in what they were going to hear next. I mainly try to make sure two films in a row are very different and not to repeat myself too much. So the four London films will be spread out or the five early comedies will be spread out. Every season will be a good mix of stuff from every part of Alan's career. I think season one did a pretty good job of that. Beyond that, with this first season, I really wanted a popular film to start and then to have Annie Hall in there in the first season. Because I know people are going to listen to it in order or they will pick the films they know. So Annie Hall was important to do up front. And then I really wanted to end with a strong film like Stardust Memories, a film with a lot to talk about. It's a bit like tracklisting a mixtape. I always want to start strong and end strong. I have a list of all the films and the order of which I will likely record them. But it changes a lot. I move something and then I have to move all the films around it to make it work. I reckon Alan will likely make a new film before I'm done so anything can change. I have season 2 mapped out and I definitely know which film I want to do for the very last episode. I can't imagine that changing. For the special episodes, I have some ideas. The reaction to the music episode was really good, so I will do at least one of those a season. But if you have an idea for a special episode, let me know. Next up is Woody Allen and the camera. His use of cinematographers, the long cuts, the lighting and all that stuff. It'll be a fun episode if I don't change my mind again. I do get people asking me about doing something for the books or the stand-up albums. And as long as I can think of something more to say than they are awesome, I'll do something. Can I also say that I'm surprised how many people email or message me about my little next week teasers right at the end of each episode. It's amazing how many of you listen right to the end. So thank you. A couple of people asked questions which I'm going to kind of smoosh together and answer all at once. I was asked about how often I watch the films, but also if I watch them just for this podcast, and then a few questions about how I put together the episodes in general. So here's the process of making one of these episodes. And because I like to open source things, I might bore you a little with some program names and stuff too, because I want people to be able to make more stuff, and I found it a little bit hard myself trying to find out how people did things. So here's how I do things if it helps you to start a podcast. Also, it took me a few tries to get it right. The first episode, Crimes and Misdemeanors, was actually a complete re-record after I worked a few things out. So I start with the writing. It took a while to get the format down, and even then I don't want to be locked in a format either, but a lot of the work is in the writing. I write using a program called IA Writer, a very nice, clean writing program on iPad and iPhone. It all syncs up so I'm constantly taking notes and thinking of points and writing them down, and then I get them into a running order on the page. By now, I know the films pretty well, and I write on the phone and the iPad because I write everywhere, on the train, waiting in a line, whatever. Since I started the site nine years ago, I've done three full rewatches of every film, but I watch the odd one every so often and I'm constantly going back to look for things, like trying to find credits for an article or looking for locations. So I usually have a lot of the things I want to say ready to go. For example, I usually have all the fun facts done before I watch the film. They don't usually have anything to do with the actual film, they're more interesting things about the film. But after I do a draft, I do watch the film again. Half to enjoy it, but half to find the quotes and the moments to cut into the podcast. But I also rewrite with what I learnt in that last rewatch. 
I ripped all my Woody Allen DVDs years ago, so I used VLC to rip the audio, and then I used GarageBand to grab quotes. I cut out dozens, usually more than I need, and some music as well. It's good to have more than a few one-liners just to break up the talking. And then I record. What I write is like 95% what I say. I do make the odd thing up, but I stick to the script mostly. I record using an Audio-Technica 2020 microphone into a Scarlett interface and then into a Mac. I like the mic, and the Scarlett is just a way to get a mic lead into a computer. Now, I spent a lot of time trying to get the mic sound to sound okay. Some early episodes I feel like I could have done better, but some of the later episodes I realised that I cover up most of the things with music anyway. But yeah, I do deaden with pillows and things like that. I record into GarageBand, There's probably better programs, but it does the job for me. But I edit my voiceover on my iPad in a great program called Ferrite that allows me to strip silence and move things around with fingers. It really makes it easy, but then I go back to GarageBand to put the clips and the music together. It's a bit of a chore going back and forth, but file management of clips and things is still pretty shit on the iPad. From there, it's up on the website, and I might get into more detail on that for season two so I don't bore everyone with the process. But still, I think it's important to have this stuff out there somewhere so people can make stuff. So there you go. No excuse why you can't make your own film podcast. I got asked by more than a few people if I knew what was happening with the new Woody Allen film. The short answer is, I don't know. What I do know is that a script is done and has been costed. For those who don't know, Alan has talked about it a few times in interviews. His next film is set to be a match point-like drama set in Paris. Alan had people scanning locations at the start of 2020. It suggests that at least the crew is in place and cinematographer Vittorio Storaro has said he's on board. I assume it means casting decisions were made too, although availabilities will probably have to be worked out again. It really depends on France. Some production has started again in that country, but it's probably unlikely Alan will change his methods to make a film. He's not going to go into quarantine or whatever. There was some talk about production starting in August 2021, but that's now. Maybe Alan could shoot in the winter, but he usually doesn't do that. As of this writing, Alan just pushed back the release of Rifkin's Festival in France to some unknown time. I reckon there's every chance the film company will take advantage of Alan being in Paris to do extra interviews and promotion for Rifkin's Festival, so I would keep an eye on the Rifkin's Festival French release date. Regardless, the script is there, the budget is in place, deals are done. MediaPro, who funded several of Woody Allen's films in the last 10 years, including Midnight in Paris, will be back. The world just needs to get to a better place. And I assume Allen has more than one script in the bag. He says he's also written at least a play. Maybe he will kick out a few in a row. Let's hope. Another popular question was, will I interview other people? I got more than a few comments and questions about whether I'll interview people. And if you want Woody Allen podcasts with that discussion energy, there's a couple of great discussion Woody Allen podcasts already. I'll link to them in the show notes. I wanted to do something different. These little audio documentaries. And I wanted to get the tone right get the production right, and work out how to do this by myself. If it's not clear, I write, record, edit, and produce the whole thing and do the hosting, the website, and all that, which is why I appreciate all the Patreon supporters so much. Now that season one is done, I feel like I've set the tone, and whoever I approach for a chat will kind of get where I'm coming from. That was one of the problems with approaching other people, and approaching people to talk about Woody Allen in 2021 is just easier once you have a few episodes under your belt. So hopefully that problem has been solved. My dream is to talk to people involved with Alan's films, either present or past. It'll take some coordination and time, and this podcast is a one-person show right now. But over the years, I've had a couple of interesting people email me. Top of the pile is Nick Apollo Forte from Broadway Danny Rose, who emailed me just months before he passed away. And I really, really should have locked him down and had a chat with him. 
I really regret it. Maybe if this podcast goes crazy, I can spend more time chasing and coordinating guests. It's something I'd like to do, but it's almost like starting a whole new other podcast. But it's definitely not a no, so stay tuned. Quite a few people emailed me about Stardust Memories. I got more emails and messages about Stardust Memories than any other film. It seems like most people liked it more than me, but it was also the last episode and there was probably more people listening to the podcast than the first episode. But I love that people disagreed with me. There were so many that I'm not going to point to anyone out in particular, and a couple of you I will mention elsewhere, but it made me see the film in a new light and that it's actually a pure distillation of Alan's wild creativity, and that its surreal comedy is very similar to his stand-up and is not as off-putting as I said it was. I take all those points because I love to learn something too. I like when people tell me that I'm doing a good job and that I manage to capture something close to how they feel, but I love hearing other people tell me something new. You know which film I got the least emails about? Annie Hall. Maybe everything about that film has already been said, And what is there that is up for debate about that film anyway? And it just goes to show that I think someone saying that I love something over and over is just boring. So if you're coming to this podcast late, hey, still, email me. This is a podcast. I assume people will keep finding this and keep the questions coming in. I will keep doing these Q&A episodes, but I love getting your take. Some more specific questions. Uh, Chad Corkins asked about the best way to get Woody Allen Blu-rays or DVDs. And this comes up all the time, so thanks, Chad. Woody Allen's catalogue is kind of scattered between different studios and different countries of different rights. If only it was like Netflix and somehow someone could buy the whole catalogue. Here's what I know. The MGM stuff takes care of most of the early stuff from the 70s and the 80s. They covered the films on Orion and United Artists. They were in print for the longest time because it includes Annie Hall and Manhattan and Hannah and Her Sisters. But now with DVDs less important, I think they are technically available, but no one is printing them up anymore. The best sets of this is the UK Blu-ray box sets from Arrow Academy. You can occasionally find them for an okay price on eBay, and they did individual versions of many of the films too. In the US, they were much more limited on a label called Twilight Time, which is now gone. They aren't readily available anymore, but they were just a couple of years ago. Maybe Arrow will do another print run, maybe someone else will pick it up. But I can't imagine those films going out of print for very long, as long as people still buy Blu-rays. It is Annie Hall, after all. Heading into the 90s, the Sweetland film stuff seems to be nowhere. That catalogue has changed hands a few times, and it was issued on DVD a few times. I heard that Alan's team had been working on that catalogue in some way, but I've not heard anything in ages. But secondhand DVDs are not impossible to come by. The DreamWorks stuff is not very popular and pretty much went out of print after one DVD run. Then as we head into the Europe stuff, 2005's Matchpoint on, everything is pretty much available. A couple of the films missed out on Blu-ray, but selling discs was more important in the late 2000s. I wish there was some sort of mega complete Blu-ray box set, like the ones Criterion Collection has made for Fellini and Wong Kar Wai and whoever. But Alan never allowed special features anyway, so who knows what would actually be on there apart from packaging. So Chad, I think secondhand is your friend. A lot of it is available on iTunes digitally too, but who knows what's gonna happen with Blu-rays. Amazon buying MGM means that all those early Woody Allen films will probably go up on Amazon Prime, which is ironic given what happened with A Rainy Day in New York. It really depends on the Blu-ray and DVD market. 
I got a question from Jake from Wisconsin about what Woody Allen merch I own. And it's actually surprisingly little. Look, I have a Manhattan poster that I've been meaning to frame. Lots of books and DVDs, but nothing really beyond that. I have some nice old editions of Allen's prose, and I have various versions of the comedy albums on vinyl. I look at what's on eBay sometimes, but maybe I'm not that much of a merch guy. But I don't know what there really is. I would love to know what cool Woody Allen merch you have. Send me pics. If I get enough stuff, I'll do something on the website. Does anyone actually have one of those small-time crooks cookie jars? I know that Alan's production team have sold off costumes and sets before, usually for charity. If you have something cool, let me know. I'd be interested to know. Bob Black asked about the Broadway Danny Rose soundtrack and about the use of music in crimes and misdemeanors. Bob was specifically asking about Broadway Danny Rose and why it doesn't have a soundtrack. And I assume that that's because those songs belonged to Nick Apollo Forte, and maybe a deal couldn't be done. At least it would have been complicated. Nick released a mini album called Songs from Broadway Danny Rose or something. I see it on Discogs and it doesn't seem to be worth very much. It kind of comes up every so often. Now, why do some Woody Allen films have soundtracks and some don't? I don't think Allen cares much for soundtracks. I think if the studio he's working with is willing to take the risk and earn a few extra bucks, he allows it but I can't imagine anyone makes much money from them. Bob also wanted to make a point about the use of Schubert in Crimes and Misdemeanors being a great moment, and I agree. It's certainly one of the best music cues in Alan's films, and it also shows him doing something different. I love it. So the poll. I ran a poll on the website asking people to tell me what they thought of each of the 10 films that we covered in season one. Thanks for everyone who filled in the poll, or several hundred of you. And here are the results. If you wonder how I work it out with the points and stuff, I'll put something on the website shortly after this. Okay, counting backwards. Number 10, A Rainy Day in New York. You people are crazy. Number nine, Scoop. Hmm? Number eight, Magic in the Moonlight, You People Are Crazy. Number seven, Small Time Crooks. Number six, Bananas. Number five, Stardust Memories. Number four, Bullets Over Broadway. Number three, Broadway Danny Rose. Number two, Crimes and Misdemeanors. And number one, Annie Hall. Jake from Wisconsin also asked me to rank the films myself. Thanks, Jake. You've been really great with the support. And for me, I'll go forwards this time. Number one was Annie Hall, of course. Number two, Bullets Over Broadway. Number three, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Number four, Magic in the Moonlight. Number five, Broadway Danny Rose. Number six, A Rainy Day in New York. Number seven, Stardust Memories. Number eight, Small Time Crooks. Number nine, Scoop. And number 10, Bananas. It's pretty interesting to try and rank them myself, and it's pretty interesting how I felt versus how some of you felt. I love all this stuff. And look, that's it. So thank you for listening. It's been a lot of fun. I've loved looking at these films fresh and talking to the people who've gotten in touch. I love how many people share my posts about episodes and I totally recognise the profile pictures of those who do it on a regular basis. I see you and thank you. What's next? Well, I'm deep into the writing of season two. I'm not going to rush. I want to get it right. I hope those who are supporting me on Patreon stick with me. We will definitely be back before the end of the year, and I would say early November at this point, and I'm kind of on track to finish up all of it in early 2023. During the break, I'm going to do some work on the website as well. Rifkin's Festival is still rolling out around the world, and there's every chance of that new Woody Allen film going into production. If that happens, that's all very exciting, and I'll record something for it. But there's parts of the site that need to be cleaned up and stories to write. I'm also going to work on putting the podcasts on YouTube. Some people asked about that, and I want to get them to be more than just audio and an image. And I'll work on an ebook for the scripts. I guess in 2023, when this podcast is all done, I'll even do a physical book, and I'll work something out for longtime Patreon supporters. I'll make sure you get one for free. So, stay tuned.
Please continue to support me on Patreon if you can. There's links in the descriptions. And there's also the books that we wrote, the Woody Allen Pages Film Guides. You can also buy the original podcast artwork. They're all great ways to support us. Check out the website, woodyallenpages.com, and find me everywhere on social media with the username Woody Allen Pages. And please keep sending me questions and leave us a review wherever you found this podcast on your favourite podcast app. And of course, you can always tell a friend. But that's enough out of me. I'll see you all soon, and in a couple of months we'll be back with Season 2, and we'll start with the least Woody Allen-y Woody Allen film. Thanks for listening. In summing up, I wish I had some kind of affirmative message to leave you with. I don't. Would you take two negative messages?